Welcome to Classic Comics Cavalcade. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm Amir Malikpour. And in honor of the late, great George Perez, we decided to look at one of his finest comics, The Infinity Gauntlet. We looked at issue number one, written by Jim Starlin and inked by Joe Rubenstein. Yeah. Yeah, this is a great comic. Like even above and beyond Perez's amazing artwork, this is a great comic. It is. It was really fun to read. And I actually didn't even know the background. I mean, I knew the movie is based on this, the Avengers, the last three. But like, uh, I I didn't know how cool it was. And I actually didn't, there, I guess there were some prequels to this or some uh, some story behind, Infin- before Infinity Gauntlet of like uh, Thanos getting the, the infinity gems i thought he was going to get the infinity gems in infinity gauntlet but he's already gotten it by this yeah. time yeah it spun out from a run uh that starlin had written on silver surfer just before this mm, okay and there was like starlin took over in like silver surfer 42 or something and then the first eight issues of his run were all about galactus getting the the uh the gems and they also brought in Adam Warlock and that whole subplot from this book and then issue 50 basically spun out into this because he'd already got, gathered the soul gems and was ready to kind of drive up a, a bigger battle or, you know oh okay that's why issue 50 is expensive now <laughs> yeah because it's crucial actually it's on Marvel Unlimited it's actually a pretty good comic Oh, and is that with Ron Lim drawing? Yeah, Ron Lim is the artist on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he kept drawing uh, Silver Surfer while Perez drew the first four issues of Affinity Gauntlet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, this was great. Uh, it was really fun. Um, I mean, I, I wanted to come in and obviously we, we want to talk about George Perez and his art's amazing with so many characters and stuff. Um, but the story, like, I, I love talking about the story too, because it's so good. It's really fun. We'll keep going. Yeah. Um, what I really enjoyed about this, I mean, the issue was beautiful art, beautiful artwork. I read up a little bit. I didn't know that. I don't know much about this, even though I've had this trade paperback for a long time. I didn't know why, because we, we just talked about it, Perez you know, didn't do the whole series. He stopped at four. So I read up a little bit about it. And like, apparently he was saying like, oh, well, Ron Lim should have done it already. Because as you mentioned, Ron Lim was doing the precursor to this story. But also that at some point, um, George Perez mentioned that like, there won't be that many characters. And he loved drawing as many characters as possible his MO, which is like, I would have never thought that that's, I, I would think like you'd want to leave because you have to draw a lot more characters. It's the opposite with him, you know? It's just, it just shows to show how much he loved the work, you know? He just loved doing the art. I think that's just so great of him, right? It's so typical of what I think of a George Perez. Like he loved to put the work in. He loved to draw these characters and like, I don't know about you, I felt like the characters in this comic all look different from each other, too. Mm-hmm. There's, like, a real distinct difference between, I don't know, Doctor Strange and Mephisto, for example, mm-hmm. um, and, or the three ordinary people who get in the car accident. Like, this yeah. whole thing 
just feels so uh, rich, right? And there's certain panels like the one uh, where Thanos is, you know, about to is going to destroy the universe, and there's this complicated design during the conversation with Doctor Strange. What's that like? Page, page twelve or eleven, where like Perez just draws the hell out of it. He draws way more than he needs to. He's got these dinosaurs with these glowing eyes. He's got planets that are being destroyed. He's got this crazy cut up images that uh, like look like shards of glass or something. It's just so complicated and so like almost over the top. Yeah, and then the the yellow electricity or whatever it is, it's in the shape of Thanos. You could see his Thanos' anger. Oh yeah. It's beautiful, yeah. I'd yeah. love to see this in like in like hence the original pencils that he drew. Oh, you know, I've been hoping for a while now that they come out with a Perez artist edition because his work would be perfect for that. Oh yeah. You know what I love about on the same page? You know how like Silver Surfer landed in Strange's place? On that particular place that you're pointing out, you could see the surfboard like dug into the ground, like it just crashed into his house. It's clever storytelling, too, because, like, uh, Perez draws this big image. It's, like, 75% of the page. And the very bottom is just a, is a borderless panel with Strange and, and Wong ho hovering over the surfer on, mm -hmm. on Strange's couch and the surfboard off to the left. And it's, like, it, he gives the page room to breathe. Mm -hmm. um, so the story is what, like, uh, Thanos' um, death, brought Thanos back to life to, to kill people, right? I don't exactly know what the reasoning behind it was. That's before this issue. And then Thanos has fallen in love with death, presumably because death brought him back to life, I assume. He's always been in love with death since his first appearance, but I think he's now more passionately in love with death because she revived him. Mm. And I think what's funny is, uh, not funny, but interesting as I also read up on how Jim Starlin came up with a character he wrote the character in psychology class uh, before getting hired Marvel and I think it's interesting it's like the story about Thanos is like Thanos so much now that he's God he's like omnipotent he doesn't die but he's in love with death because he wants that he wants to die and it's also the issue of love where like there's that, there's like almost like about suicide, stories about suicide. And then also it's about wanting something that you can't have. Even if you have the whole power, you can't buy love, I guess. That's the idea then. Because death keeps giving him the cold shoulder. Yeah. Like she just won't pay any attention to him. The whole sequence in the second half of the comic where like, he's like, I'll give you this. And she just ignores him. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the whole bit with him reviving Nebula as a zombie. And just uh, death just kind of looks away, ignores him, won't do anything for him because she wants the ultimate gift from him, which is for him to destroy uh, half the life in the universe. Which he does. Which he does. Yeah. And he's finally able to uh, feel like he's embracing death. But like, we don't even really see that, do we? We just see like a, a quick little image of his face in this first issue. There's so much like left open at the end of the issue. Mm -hmm. 
but uh no but the, anyway back to my point like death just is this like unattainable unknowable thing that he's just trying to get to embrace him but mm-hmm. uh, is he actually going to get his dream mm-hmm. it's the strangest romance i've ever seen mm-hmm. well it's a one-way creepy stalker romance because death doesn't really care about him no yeah and it's all she's stalking death it's kind of creepy it's the ultimate creepy, right? It's as creepy as could be. You can see why they removed that from the movie. It gives me that that whole concept. Is Jim Starlin American or British? No, he's from Detroit. Oh, interesting. It gives me kind of like Sandman vibes a little bit. Yeah, I could see that. But no, this is his obsessions. I mean, there's scenes in in like um, Dreadstar that revolve around death too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's just something that you always like to come back to again and again in this work. Mm-hmm. I like George Perez's Spider Man. No one when you see Spider Man in the beginning, it's pretty cool. And him swimming, swinging across that cityscape, and the, all the buildings are in the background. I can't tell that. I don't think that's a photo. I think Perez drew all the buildings behind him. It could be. It could be the fo- a photo. That's when I'd be so curious to see. You know, it reminds me just a little bit of Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man. Because mm. it's a little smaller. The webbing's kind of played up in the style. Yeah. A little bulkier, but yeah, it's definitely not the bulky. Sp- it's not a it's not the John Romita senior Spider-Man. Yeah. But all these pages after Thanos snaps his fingers are so eerie. Mm-hmm. They really pull those off well. And Captain America seeing uh, Cersei and Hawkeye disappear. I, I like that. That part is kind of funny, that scene. It seems like, you know, he's walking in like... Uh, um, the character from Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> He's walking in the hall, you know. Hey, how's it going, Hawkeye? Hey, Cersei. Hey, hey. And then they die. Yeah. By the way, I just watched that movie for the first time. Finally got, finally watched it. Mm. And so Perez, he draws Captain America and Captain America's got this poster style image of him against the American flag. And he draws this elaborate version of Avengers Mansion. Mm-hmm. And then as Cap's walking through the, the uh, mansion, there's pictures on the wall of the different Avengers teams because Perez just has to draw every character he, he to, possibly can say, draw. Perez has to draw. He cannot have nothing. <laughs> I bet you like the parts that don't have a background, somebody forced them not to. Right. Right? Because like everything's got to have the background. I mean, when Thanos is on that in that castle or whatever in space and press is drawing every broken up rock like he could have easily just drawn a few rocks or, or whatever he draws every stair on the staircase mm-hmm. he got all the stalagmites coming out from the bottom he could have done half the work and it would have been just fine but no dude went all out i think that's one of the things that one of the reasons he left also because he was falling behind and he just well the other reason was he's also writing and doing art duties on another comic for DC. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, he was one. I mean, can you imagine being so super detailed with a bunch of characters? Yeah. But like the scene with the Hulk, which I love too, in the bar. Mm -hmm. He draws a great Hulk, first of all. Like, he doesn't feel ridiculously enormous, this Hulk. He just looks like this guy who you can imagine seeing in a bar in a way who's like more muscular than Schwarzenegger. Mm -hmm. But he's not outrageously massively bulky, you know? Mm -hmm. And I like how relatable, in a way, the character looks. Is this during the um, the the run that Gary Frank was uh, the Hulk artist? Oh gosh, I don't know. Because the, the character kind of looks like the Gary Frank one. Maybe even the coloring kind of like he looks like the Smart Hulk here. I think he was the Smart Hulk. Let me look this up real quick. So this is 1991, right? From Marvel. I'm, I know this is the Peter David era. Yeah, this was Gary Frank. Mm -hmm. Or Del Keown, excuse me. Del Keown. Oh, okay. That, that, that checks out, too. I really like his Stephen Strange, his Doctor Strange with the porno mustache. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's got the total porn stash, right? He looks like he's, he's uh, out for some partying. Mm-hmm. But he also looks like credible, right? He looks like he's a real villain. That villain, know, real, real uh, hero. I mean, yeah. So. Uh, I one of the things is I get a lot of um, a little bit of Dave Gibbons kind of. They must have similar um, influences, right? You think? Tell me how you see some Gibbons. So if you go to the last page, you know, when the regular human beings and the guys running to. Uh, the bathroom or whatever he goes to the next room and he sees the guy in a i don't know whatever dirt bed or whatever um that kind of looks like gibbons panel oh yeah it does yeah reminds me a lot like uh i've seen that gibbons face i wonder who do you know who george press's influences were has he talked about any well this is way beyond him having influences right because this is 15 years in the industry i bet he was looking at a lot of dave gibbons comics though oh god but i oh okay got it okay right because he he started in comics in like 1974 so but it's like who he's Perfect. who he's looking at and who he's admiring right because i you're right i see gibbons there mm -hmm. that's a cocoon by the way adam warlock's going to come out of that cocoon Oh, okay. I thought Adam Warlock was somewhere else. That's a deep cut, I think. Anyway, I haven't actually read issue two, but that's oh. the that's the Adam Warlock cart. Uh, oh, okay. Cool. And who are the regular people? I mean, I guess we we're both kind of like figuring it out now. Yeah, I think I have no idea who they are. I think the guy. Why are they I mean, turning the, green? I, I I don't know that either. So the cocoon is like that one friend of them. Who has yeah. a little bit of powers, and that must be Adam Warlock or something. Yeah, that's that's what I think. I intentionally didn't read ahead because uh, I wanted just to stay focused on this one issue. Yeah, I did not either. Yeah. And then uh, Mephisto is interesting. I I'm I'm curious as to his um, role, how he began to become the, how he started to become the advisor to Thanos. It's interesting how they're just kind of buddies. Mm -hmm. are they okay well i mean that's how i was reading it right because they're hanging out at that castle together mm -hmm. 
really just talking. And he's essentially the devil, right? Yeah, he's essentially the devil. He's got close ties to the Silver Surfer. Oh, okay. Because in Silver Surfer 50, a little bit of, uh, there's a lot in there about basically Norrin Rad from, you know, the original before he was the surfer was not a great guy. He was too focused on his on um, professional achievement and not paying enough attention to his family. Mm-hmm. So basically he, uh, he escaped his, his ultimate fate, his terrible ultimate fate in this society by becoming the surfer. So Mephisto is kind of there to kind of represent um, like Norrin, Norrin's deferred hellish fate, I guess. Hmm. In other words, he should have been punished from a uh, like an emotional standpoint for how badly he treated his dad and mom. But they died, right? As a result, yeah, they died. Know. But there, there's the devil saying, "Okay, your fate is in my hands. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you, I'm gonna punish you for how badly you treated your family." Hmm. Oh, got it. Okay. Cool. I think that's uh, part of it. Mm-hmm. Well, another thing too, Perez, I really like the way he draws death. Like, I didn't realize that death was going to be in human form too at some point. And mm-hmm. she's definitely beautiful by the way he draws her. There's just so much in the storytelling is great too, which I think is mostly Starlin from what I was reading, right? Because Perez says he worked from a full script. Ah, mm-hmm. oh, okay. But like, what page is this? Page nine, where it's zooming in on the fist, just adds so much drama to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's iconic that Thanos fist. <laughs> yeah. Just a beautiful comic. Mm-hmm. The yeah. Great George Perez comic. Mm-hmm. And so I was curious, Amir, so you weren't you didn't read the American comics when you were a kid, like you said several times. When did you first see George Perez? Uh well, the first time I think I I'm, we, I mentioned it to you outside of this call, but um I the first American comics I bought was from Walgreens, and I think it was issue number six of um, Crisis on Infinite Earth. The 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 main the one where Superman is holding Batgirl and he, she's dead. The, the iconic uh, death. Mm-hmm. The Supergirl uh, issue, yeah. Yeah, and um, I mean, I knew who Superman was and I knew who Supergirl was because everybody knows who they are because there have been movies of them and I saw them outside the country, outside of the U.S. Um, it, was, it was an amazing, you know, like, yeah, so... That day, I remember what I bought. I bought Brigade Number One from Rob Liefeld and Crisis on Infinite Earth Number Six. I still have the Crisis on Infinite Earth somewhere here in my comics, but um, and I really didn't buy anything else after that. But I loved that comic. I, I really looked at it a lot. And one of the reasons I actually did not buy comics too much as I got older because I never liked interior pages because. I always felt like the cover always looks better than the interior. Like usually you get a different cover artist or that you spend a lot of time on the cover and the interiors wasn't, didn't look as good as the outside, but not the case with George Perez. That, mm-hmm. that, and one of the reasons that issue lasted such a long time. So you were a fan of his from really the first comic you ever saw by him. 
Yeah, I didn't even know. Yeah. That's so cool. And I didn't know people actually drew comics. Were you ever at that moment, anytime in your life, where like when you were a little kid, you're all like, oh, people actually draw this? I thought it was just appeared out of a computer or something. No, I never did. And I think the reason is that Marvel always credited the writers and the artists. Oh, that's right. From the time I first started reading comics. Um, so like it was never any idea that so you know, and, and there was always stand soapbox and stuff like that. Because they, they always put the creators front and center. Oh, okay. That's cool. So because of that, I really didn't um I always knew I always had an idea who was doing the work. I mean, I didn't know who they were at all, right? I just know knew these names on the page. It could have been, you know, the Joe Scrow or whatever. Um, but no, I mean, like I clearly remember being a big fan of George Perez when I first discovered his work on Ooh. Avengers. Avengers. Oh, I was going to ask. That's the. Is that the first time you uh, or you were exposed to his work? It really was his first work in comics. It's it's kind of amazing. Oh, okay. Because um, he had done. He was. He came up as an assistant to Rich Buckler, mm -hmm. who was, I think, also from De the Detroit area. So they were kind of neighbors. Mm -hmm. And um, and um. Oh, no, sorry. No, Perez is from um, from New York City. But he, be he became um, Buckler's assistant, excuse me. Um, and like, I was reading comics when I was a kid. So we're talking 1976 or so. Mm -hmm. And um, like he drew the Serpent Crown, the first Serpent Crown story that I read mm -hmm. in like around Avengers 150. And I remember like being blown away by all the detail and all the people and the backgrounds and mm -hmm. like being completely intrigued by everything that was happening in the stories. See, he was actually my first favorite cartoonist. Mm -hmm. Like I fell in love with his work right away because he drew um, Avengers and Fantastic Four. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember so distinctly, like loving him being inked by Pablo Marcos on Avengers. Mm. I just thought the art was just beautiful. Just, just completely blew away my little brain. And there was a specific issue, I'm looking for it now, where um, that has Ant-Man. I think it's 158 or something. Uh, and um, Ant-Man comes in the Taxi Avengers, basically. Hank Pym comes in the Taxi Avengers, and there's all these ants crawling all over everything. Mm -hmm. And the detail of him drawing every single ant fighting across are wandering across the entire page just like blew me away. There's one Avengers 161. Oh, okay. Um, and so from there, like I was a huge fan of his work. Mm -hmm. And I, I followed him through all his work at Marvel and DC for many years. I mean, like still to still to this day, like he's the one of these artists who I look at his work and it just makes me happy to see it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like triggers this kind of childhood joy. Mm -hmm. the thing is he was always a great cartoonist like i don't think he ever really phoned in any of his work mm -hmm. yeah even the stuff that he did that he wasn't like super into like maybe ultra force or something he still put a lot of work into it in fact i have an ultra force page on my wall and there's like oh, a huge wow. amount of detail on it yeah one of the things that like as a kid i loved was you see all the characters together 
and George Perez is the one guy to do it for you when you're a kid and you care about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, he just, and all of them are different looking and all of them have been have care put into them. So yeah. And it's good storytelling too. It's not like he's sacrificing anything for the art. Well, I mean, look at us, right? We're talking about infinity gauntlet and we're like, yeah, like he's drawing all the characters, he's drawing them well. It's like, it's still exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, rest in peace, rest in power. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he's such a great, talented artist. Have you ever, did you ever meet him? I did. Yeah. I met him, oh, about four years ago at Wizard World Portland, mm-hmm. which was a terrible show. It's just not fun. There's not great guests. It was a shitty show in terms of dealers. Went with my friend Zach. And um, we met George Perez and we wandered up to him. He had no one on his on his line. Wandered up to him and started chatting. And he was like the friendliest person the entire weekend. And he was just so happy to talk to people who knew his work and liked his work. And like, like we said, hey, I'm, I've been a big fan of yours for many years. Oh, really? Big smile on his face immediately. Mm-hmm. And he just looked so happy to talk to people who, lo- who liked him. Took a really took a picture with him. He was like got this huge smile on his face. I bought a mm-hmm. sketch from him, and he drew this really nice sketch of the spirit because I draw spirit sketches. Yeah, you know, collect my spirit sketches. They didn't charge much for it either. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, he just seemed like this guy who's just so happy and so into his fans. Mm-hmm. Just, just an incredibly enjoyable encounter with him. Mm-hmm. Did you ever meet him? No, I, I saw him at a convention once, but I think his line was long, and I said I'd come back and say hi because I'd heard he was a nice guy, and I wanted to get something from him and. I think that was maybe like six or seven years ago at one of these cons. And um, yeah, unfortunately not, but he seemed like he was a nice guy, even from a distance. And of course, everybody says that. Yeah, I mean, it was the highlight of our weekend. Mm-hmm. Not just because he's a legend to me and to my friend, but because he was just a genuinely great person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, P. All right. George Perez. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't expect anything out of Infinity Gauntlet, honestly. I thought it was going to be a schlog, like a lot of talking, but it wasn't. So I had so much fun. Can't recommend it highly enough. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Amir. Thanks, Jason. Uh-huh.